Welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. I'm Erin Hesse from High Point Church, and I'm here with Pastor Nick Gibson. Hey, everybody. And uh, today we're going to talk about um, evangelism and, um, and being evangelistic. That's one of our uh, secondary core values, which I'll explain here in just a second. Um, because uh, recently a question that has been percolating among staff and other regular attenders here is that um, if we do evangelism, then will people get saved? Um, is, is it like an A plus B equals C type of equation where um, if we are doing these things, then the outcome um, will be, in fact, um, more people coming to Christ. So um, if you've been to Explore, which is an event that we have every six weeks at Nick's house, it's where um, people who are newer to High Point can come and hear about our mission and ministry model, which is um, making disciples of Jesus through gospel connection, growth, and service. We talk about those things there and can explain um, more of the backbone of what High Point is about. Um, and it's also a place where we learn about the core values that we hold. And um, there's a lot of people, I think, who attend High Point who haven't attended Explored. And if you ask them, what are High Point's core values? They automatically say, oh, connect, grow, serve. Those, mm-hmm. those are core values. And that's right. not actually... That's not ministry <laughs> no. Model, yeah. <laughs> no. So, yeah, and I should say, for anybody who's ever going to be in Christian leadership or leadership of any kind, if you ever have to say... Um, hey, this introductory course that some people take is where you hear about our core values. You're that's you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> and we are, and this yeah. is part of an attempt to do something about that. Yeah, yep. And again, I would just say, even if you've been attending High Point for 10, 15, 20 years, and you've never been to Explore, I'm just going to plug that right now. So, that let, you should come. so let's clarify of mm-hmm. what evangelism means. So let's not assume everybody knows right. that. Yes. Are you getting that? I will get oh, that. Yeah. Don't you worry. So, um, so we have five primary core values and five secondary core values. Um, so, Nick, before we focus on, yeah, that evangelistic um, secondary core value, can you just briefly just go through what the primary ones are and then secondary, and then we'll come back to... Um, yeah, thanks yeah. for testing me on this because yes. it's not written anywhere. I'll yeah. help you. <laughs> so, yeah, so the gospel-centeredness is the first one, mm-hmm. right? The gospel, knowing what that is and not being in a therapeutic gospel or mm-hmm. a legalistic or moralistic gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, biblical integrity, mm-hmm. not just... That we are biblical, but, but that we speak the Bible, that we become biblically literate, all those mm-hmm. things, right? Third is community, that people in a right relationship with each other, with God. Third is sacrificial service, mm-hmm. which is that though we do consume and we are blessed and ministered to by the church, that ultimately we are, we are productive, we are contributors, and that contribution is sacrificial. We go without mm-hmm. things we would have for ourselves so that other people can be blessed mm-hmm. and helped and ministered to. And in fifth is context or contextualization, that when I do ministry, I think of you. I look, think about you and where you are and mm-hmm. what questions you have. So we think about Madison and secular people and Madisonians mm-hmm. and nominal Lutherans and whatever. Mm-hmm. And we think, these are the people we're talking to. What are the questions they're asking? So mm-hmm. that we're not being what's called obscurantist, that mm-hmm. what we say is obscure and it doesn't mean anything to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to not be syncretistic, that is, take the culture and our faith and like squish them together so there's no difference mm-hmm. or obscurantist where nobody understands anything we're talking about right. in our culture but somewhere that's contextualized that we're speaking the gospel message it, it's purity but we're speaking it in a way it can be heard mm-hmm. in the receiving or receptive culture mm-hmm. and so those are our five primary core values and the idea is is that we are doing those every second okay every second mm-hmm. you, there's no second in which those five things aren't important okay the secondary core values are the things that if you don't pay attention to these, if you let these lie, ultimately they will produce unintended consequences that will come back and bite you mm-hmm. or create decline, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And so they are evangelistic, mm-hmm. um, leadership development, mm-hmm. 
in multicultural, intergenerational. And international. And international, right? Mm-hmm. And so the idea is, is that um, there's, there is inertia against us sharing our faith. We live in a faith where it is just placidly assumed you should shut up about Jesus. Mm-hmm. So you could go to work and somebody could regale you for an hour and a half about their drinking and sexual exploits, right? Mm-hmm. And then if you're like, well, what I did this weekend was I went to church and I had a sermon where the pastor talked about this. Mm-hmm. Like that would be considered totally out of bounds of polite conversation. Right. And that's just assumed and understood, mm-hmm. right? Yet why? Mm-hmm. Why would that be, right? Mm-hmm. So in a culture like that, we have to recognize that like, if we don't focus on being evangelistic, mm-hmm. it's this thing that just cools. It's a fire that has to be stoked. It doesn't burn on its own. Mm-hmm. We have to fuel it with the gospel mm-hmm. and fuel it with the Bible and fuel it with a desire for community that all people would be included in that community. Fuel it with the fact that we're supposed to sacrificially serve others. Mm-hmm. right? And what they need is the truth and the freedom right. of the gospel. And contextualization, where are you? What do you need? You need well, you need Jesus. You mm-hmm. need a way you can hear it. Yep. And so all five of our primary core values, if we understand them theologically, what they mean in Christ, mm-hmm. would say, gosh, we've got to be evangelistic. Mm-hmm. And that, but that's a fire you have to feed. Mm-hmm. Or you'll just be like, oh, I don't want to be humiliated. Oh, I don't want to feel stupid. Oh, I don't feel like that. Right. I can't answer that question. Oh, I don't want to break this relationship. Oh, I don't want to not get promoted. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't want to get fired. Oh, I don't want to whatever. Yeah. Yep. And I was going to say that the word evangelism or evangelistic evokes very different emotions for different people. Mm-hmm. And like what you described, I think is like most people experience that fear, that anxiety. Oh, Embarrassment. If yeah. If, mm-hmm. you know, if you're listening and you are part of High Point Church and you're thinking evangelistic is one of our secondary core values, like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right. with that. So um, Can I just like act yeah. really Christian and like preach the gospel <laughs> right. and use words if necessary? Right. Right? Yeah. Which, of course, Francis of Assisi never said. Right. You know, this yes. is one of my pet peeves. Right? Yes, yes, I know. Yeah. So... Um, well, so recently in another staff meeting, this topic of evangelism came up and it became very clear that even, I think it was a, a departmental meeting just among ministry staff, that even among the 10 people in that room, there were differing views and thoughts and feelings about evangelism and being evangelistic. Um, and one of the debates that came out of that discussion revolved around the question, you know, if we are doing the right thing, if a church is, you know, apparently healthy in every way, and then if we are evangelizing, does that mean that we are going to produce, um, that there's going to be Christians um, right. produced from that? Right. So what? how would you answer? You weren't in that discussion. Right. Um, so how would you have answered that? Right. Question? So there's there's the there's the theological question, like in the Bible, like what would the teaching be, right? And then there's also the personal question, which is if I'm a Christian and I've been a Christian for X amount of time, let's say three years or more, mm-hmm. and I haven't led anyone to Jesus, mm-hmm. am I a bad Christian? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Because you can't get away from that emotional reality. Mm -hmm. You can have a theological discussion as to whether or not this or that. Right. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, everybody's feeling inside because something like 95 percent of American Christians have never led anyone to Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's that's just reality. Ninety five. It's like ninety five. It's crazy. It's crazy. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a few people leading tons of people to Jesus Mm -hmm. um, and it's not enough. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the church is declining in in most sectors. Right. And so the question is. Um, am I a bad Christian? And the, and the answer is, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you, you have to make this not about you, right? You have to be like, okay, look, if, what if I, so what if I am a bad Christian? Jesus died for my bad evangelism. 
right? I am trusting the gospel, not my evangelistic ability to go to heaven. That's one of the things that separates us from Jehovah's Witnesses, mm-hmm. right? One of the reasons mm-hmm. why they go around is that recruiting is part of them becoming well, the 144,000 that sure. get to be the real heaven, right? Yep. We don't believe that. We believe that Jesus died for our sins, mm-hmm. our failures, our lack of proper um, production and productivity and performance, right? Mm-hmm. And so the question is not about you. The question is, what does the gospel do and what what should you be doing? Mm-hmm. And the, the answer is that as a Christian, you should be engaging in evangelism. And that, that is not the same thing as successfully leading people to Christ. Okay? Yeah. You are a fruitful and obedient Christian if the gospel comes out of you both physically and verbally. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Both. Yeah. Um, there is no Christian properly biblical understanding that if you are Christian enough in your behavior that you don't have to talk about Jesus ever. Right. Um, That's just not part of it, right? We all have a message, a good news to share, right? Right. The question is, if you're faithful to do that, are people going to come to faith? Mm -hmm. Right. Can I go back? So one Mm -hmm. one question that, that a thought that might come to someone's head is, well, you know, I've taken the spiritual gifts test or, nice. you know, evangelism is listed as one of the spiritual, spiritual gifts. gifts. And I, that's not, not me. Right. right. So if someone else is in the church, that's the, that's the 5% of people who get that high score. Um, so if it's, so if before people even can accept that, mm-hmm. that they should be doing those things. Um, right. Yeah. So let me, let me, so that's one of those logics that it doesn't prove too little. It proves too much. Right. There's a famous, mm-hmm. the famous philosophical fallacy of something proving too much. Mm-hmm. So think about the spiritual gifts test, right? Mm-hmm. There is a gift of, of service. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you don't have the gift of service, does that mean you should just let the people with the gifts of service serve mm-hmm. and you don't have to serve? Right. And the answer is, yeah. of course not. Right. Yeah. Please no. Right. Yeah. And, and teaching. Right. If you yeah. don't have the gift of teaching, does that mean you you are not ever to impart anything to anyone? Mm-hmm. No, you, you're supposed to teach right. people. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, in that sense, like the, the gifts are things that people excel at and they do disproportionately. Right. Sure. And there are some people with the gift of evangelism. Usually what that seems to mean in the New Testament was that they were our evangelists, which means that they take the role of itinerantly going around to different locations okay. and engaging in gospel movement kind of stuff and teaching people how to do evangelism and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was it's one of the offices in the five-fold offices in Ephesians 4. And those positions seem to have been itinerant positions in the church, mm-hmm. especially when you read a slightly later document called the Apostolic Constitutions. There's sections that deal with when, if somebody shows up and there are this, and all four of those are in there, mm-hmm. apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, people who work miracles, all those people are, are in there. And um, and so they would come, go from place to place, church to church, right? And that's really what that's referring to in okay. the Bible. Um, we're all called to evangelize. And in fact, one of the greatest spreadings of the church in the book of Acts is in Acts 8 when Stephen gets killed, right? Mm-hmm. So Stephen gets stoned mm-hmm. and the church is um, is spread out of Jerusalem. It's scattered. Mm-hmm. And it says everywhere they went, right? They, they shared the message yeah. and lots of people became Christians so mm-hmm. that all of Judea heard the gospel mm-hmm. because normal people went out. And that's how Christianity yeah. has always spread. Sure. Is women and slaves and people and whatever. It's just they carried the gospel. I mean, the gospel spread like a Rome. Romans said the gospel spreads like a virus because it spreads through slaves. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, any, so anyway, sorry. The, the point is that we all 
are still called to share the good news verbally. So let's take just a second and define what evangelism is. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in order for you, so you'd be like, well, I, sometimes I share, I share about my spiritual life with people. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's good to do. That's, that's good to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you want to say, am I sharing the gospel? Like am I being an evangelist? Am I doing the work of an evangelist? Here's how you know. Evangelism has happened when you have made an invitation to someone, Mm -hmm. when you have said something that encourages them or illuminates to them that a choice is to be made. Sure. Okay. okay. So that doesn't, sometimes that's, do you want to accept Jesus? Mm-hmm. Would you like to accept Jesus right now? Sometimes it's, you know, we've had these conversations and I know that they're interesting for me, they're interesting for you, but I, I want to make clear that, that you understand that there there's a, there's a choice looming here by what you decide is true and isn't. Right. That ultimately like, these are these things we talk about. You'll have to decide whether or not they're true or false, mm-hmm. whether you believe them or don't believe mm-hmm. them. It can't just be a philosophical discussion. And right. Even, yeah. Because mm-hmm. people talk about Jesus or thoughts or feelings right. or religion or whatever, and they'll just talk. Mm-hmm. And that's not the same thing as saying um, if Jesus has called for your repentance and faith. Mm-hmm. He's called for you to believe in him mm-hmm. and to become his disciple. And that's a choice. And you either have to choose to do it or you're implicitly choosing against it and rejecting him. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, as long as you're alive, you can choose him. But I just want you to know there's a, this presumed. So you you want to, you have to impress upon the other person that a choice at some point is to be made. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. And when that's happened, when you've shared the gospel, you've shared the gospel message of Christ's death and resurrection for us. Right? Mm-hmm. And that there's a choice to be made. Mm-hmm. That's when you have evangelized. Sure. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so we have those defined and... Let's, and you'll note you know, that does not include the person accepting Jesus. Right, yes. It's, sim- it's the sharing from one person to the other. Right. Yes, okay. So, if we're all on the same page and we understand what evangelism is, we understand that as believers we are called to do it, like you said, not just in action but in our words as well. Mm-hmm. Um, getting back to that question, if we're doing those things, um, does that mean that people are going to come to Christ? Right. So can you be an incredibly effective evangelist mm-hmm. and see nobody come to Jesus? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Or maybe not effective, let's just say faithful. Mm-hmm. Or see your, your people are coming to your life. You're sharing the message of Jesus. You're doing it in a contextualized way mm-hmm. with biblical integrity and right. gospel centeredness. Yep. And you're recognizing that at some point you have to make them cognizant of a decision to mm-hmm. be made. Right. And even inviting them to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Right. And yet they don't accept Jesus. Um, does that mean you're not doing it right? Mm-hmm. Right? Or does it or does it mean they have heart like oh just you've just run you haven't run into somebody who is elect to be saved at that moment. Sure. Right? Because mm-hmm. some people you'll share the gospel with and they will later be saved. Right. Um, there have been studies done on Christians of, like how many times did you hear the gospel? And there's been lots of people in fact it seemed like it was the majority opinion that the average number was six times hearing the gospel from different people. Mm-hmm. Not the same, not you sharing the gospel six right. times, but them actually hearing it from six different people. And then some of the penny drops are like, oh, mm-hmm. because think about it. People's minds are so worldly mm-hmm. that to even get into the frame yeah. is very difficult. Yeah. So in that sense, you will do successful evangelism and you will see nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. But if that just constantly happens, mm-hmm. it, are you doing something wrong? And there's two answers to that question that I think were helpful to the staff when we discussed this. Mm-hmm. And the first is the Bible has examples of people who are profoundly faithful evangelists, mm-hmm. who are put forward to us as great models, who were 
utterly unsuccessful. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's completely unsuccessful. Especially the prophets before the exile. Mm-hmm. Right? So God sent a number of prophets to Israel before the exile mm-hmm. who were like, yeah, yeah, you can't do this. Like, in fact, Elijah said he was a failure, right? And God said, actually, there's 8,000 people who have not bowed their knees to Baal. But he didn't say thanks to you. <laughs> He's mm-hmm. just like, well, yeah. there's still people that aren't worshipers of Baal. But Elijah was, in, in that sense, in terms of an evangelist and leading the hearts of Israelites to God, to mm-hmm. Yahweh, he was not much of a success, right? right? And um, But the biggest biblical example of this is Jeremiah, mm-hmm. right? God um, actually tells him at one point not to pray for them. Because he's, they're not going to be saved. Mm-hmm. But God has an obligate, feels an obligation, and therefore he has one because he feels what he must have one, right? Mm-hmm. To continue to preach righteousness, even in the process of the very ends of self-condemnation and hardening. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think that's part of his demonstration of his own righteousness mm-hmm. and his own love, mm-hmm. even if the result is the end of human condemnation. Mm-hmm. And so Jeremiah is incredibly faithful. He preaches for years and years. He does all kinds of things to bless. And ultimately, his words are written down. And later on, of you know, future generations right. hear from him. And in the history of the world, he's led people to Christ mm-hmm. through the writing. But he could not have been more of a failure as a pre-exilic prophet. Sure. Um, so in that sense, the answer could be no. The answer could totally be no. You could yeah. be to- doing everything right, and you could just be... Um, intentionally sent by God as a witness, but you're just, as Second Corinthians says, the stench of death, not mm-hmm. the fragrance of life. Mm-hmm. Right? Paul said in Second Corinthians, to, the gospel is a fragrance to everybody. It's always a fragrance mm-hmm. to those who are being condemned. In, in that case, he means in the process of coming to condemnation. Mm-hmm. It's the stench of death. But those who are being saved, that is coming into salvation, mm-hmm. believing in Jesus and then coming to Christ as his disciples, it's the fragrance of life. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, what, what Paul is saying is, it's like, yeah, you share the gospel. And what they are and what God is choosing to do in with them determines how they hear it mm-hmm. and what happens with it. Sure. So, okay, so Jeremiah is an example of how you can feel good about being an evangelistic <laughs> failure, right? Yeah. Um, or being faithful but not having any fruit to share, yeah. right? And in that case, I want to encourage people, keep sharing the gospel. Yeah. Because you may not be a Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. You may be somebody who had to share the gospel 150 times to find one convert, mm-hmm. which is pretty common of um, missionaries in Muslim countries mm-hmm. that they yeah. have to share the gospel with 200, 300, 400, 500 people yeah. before somebody comes to faith. Yeah, and it's but also one of the things you need to recognize is is that salvation is not um, for whatever reason um, God uses sociological realities in evangelism. Mm-hmm. So there are times when things happen culturally, and then lots of people come in, mm-hmm. but they've been prepped. Sure. You know, people yep. share the gospel with them, they kind of know it, and then something happens, and massly people go, oh, and a lot of people believe. Yeah. And so don't despair. I mean, this happened in the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, a number of revivals in history where people, Christians were faithfully living their faith, faithfully sharing the gospel, faithfully speaking prophetically in their culture, and then something happened. So in America, World War II happened. Mm-hmm. Right, so yeah. the pro- the progressive age was largely in charge. We don't need God anymore. We can have big governments and we can create systems that do everything and make life better, and everything's gonna be awesome. And there there arose liberal theology where mm-hmm. um, we are we are evolving mm-hmm. into more of what the Jesus spirit would want. Right, and then World War One happened, 
and then World War II, and then the Great Depression happened, yeah, and then World War II happened, and our progressivist dream just went to mist for thirty or forty yeah. years. And in that time, you had the baby boomers, mm-hmm. but you also had the largest turning back to church attendance right. and yeah. life in God. And that was the era of the Billy Graham Crusades, mm-hmm. and m- millions of Americans accepted Christ and were born again. Mm-hmm. Okay, now whether or not they were all Christians or whatever, who right. knows? Right. But there was a huge harvest in America, mm-hmm. and to the point where in the late seventies. Um, Newsweek magazine could call one of the 70s years the year of the evangelical. Mm-hmm. Well, why did that happen? Is it just out of nowhere? No. What happened is God's providence and the actions in the world he utilized to bring about revival, mm-hmm. just like he did in the Bible, just like he always is. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And so, um, yet, yeah. okay, so here's the opposite side. Mm-hmm. The opposite side of the coin is um, sometimes people will say, well, you know, in healthy families, babies are born, mm-hmm. right? And um, on one level, that's true. On another level, that could be proving something with a metaphor, which isn't right. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, that's a fallacy. Right. So the question is, what does the Bible teach? And the critical passage here, in my view, is in John 4, where Jesus runs into the woman at the well, right? She's mm-hmm. had five husbands. She's not exactly a model Jewish person. Right. She has, she's sort of nominal. She has weird Samaritan religious beliefs. They're kind of Jewish and kind of not Jewish. Mm-hmm. And he... Um, he leads her basically to faith, mm-hmm. right? To worshiping God in spirit and truth. Mm-hmm. And the disciples come back and they say, hey, we have food. He's like, I, love, he's like, I have food that you know nothing about. Meaning the yeah. food is spiritual work. Yeah. The feeding the soul, right? And he says, he says actually, look out, look out the fields. Don't you see that they're white for harvest? That they're ready to be harvested, right? The mm-hmm. grain is turned color. Mm-hmm. And he said, um, he basically says, this is what the world is like. Look out there. Mm-hmm. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Mm-hmm. So, that's a direct teaching of Jesus. And John has included this, not just so that we understand how the disciples saw that moment, mm-hmm. or just one teaching. Sure. But Jesus was saying something about spiritual reality as it is for the worshipers of spirit, in spirit and in truth. And what he's saying is, if you look out in the world, it feels like there's no harvest. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel like there's no harvest. But if you will lift your eyes and if you will see the mass of humanity for what it really is, it really is a harvest field way for harvest. Mm-hmm. And it has actually always been the lack of the faith of God's people. Mm-hmm. That have limited the harvest yeah. always. Yeah. And so you ha- no matter how personally you want to feel like you're a faithful believer, you should always accept the general truth that the reason that the harvest waits is not that there is nothing mm-hmm. to be picked, yeah. but that there are not workers to go out and pick it mm-hmm. of us, yeah. the Christians. Right. And so you've got to start with that idea. Mm-hmm. Now, you might be in a cultural moment where you're going to be part of a Jeremiah. You may work in a sector of the economy or you might be in a particular family that yeah. feels more like Israel about to go into exile. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and I think that that's true. I think if you work in certain political offices, if you work in certain newsrooms, there are places that are much, or like certain university departments. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you're working in a, a, a literature department at a research university, mm-hmm. um, the level of secularity is like 99%, right? Mm-hmm. It's just every every assumption is secular. Every idea is secular. Yeah. Almost everybody's an atheist. Yeah. It's, it's very different than, you know, the, the the plumbing business on 14th Street, mm-hmm. where, you know, guys like the Packers and they drink Miller Lite and mm-hmm. they're just not the same thing, yeah. right? So some people are going to be called to different places. So right. some people are like, yeah, I led 14 people of faith last year. But they might be coming from a place where, you know, the fields white for harvest and they went out and picked yep. it. Um, so, mm-hmm. yes, sometimes you're going to be a Jeremiah because of the culture or because of the place that you're called to. Mm-hmm. But you've got to move. So that sometimes can comfort you that faithfulness doesn't mean 
you're going to get fruit. Mm-hmm. You can share your faith and they don't believe. Mm-hmm. You've given an invitation. They don't accept it. But you're being faithful. Yeah. In that sense, the narrative of Jeremiah should encourage you, even yeah. if you're not leading anybody. Right. Yet, one of the things that should clarify and make you vigilant mm-hmm. is that what Jesus said, the real reason people weren't getting saved was that the workers were not going out into the field mm-hmm. and picking the harvest. Yeah. So that's on a personal level, you know, whether or not you see right. the fruit of your labor. Is that also true for the church as a whole, which is supposed to be, you know, you know, a, a picture of the body of Christ where holistically, you know, I might not see somebody come to Christ, but someone like Mike Beresford who evangelizes, you know, everywhere all the time. <laughs> um, right. And that's, you know, that is something that he is strong in. Um, and he sees people come to Christ more, you know, more in a year than I have in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Is there something to be said that when it is a, a body of believers together, that there is like an A plus B equals C type outcome? Yeah. So I would say the two those two points still apply to the church at large. Okay. So for example, every once in a while, a church is going to find itself in a culture that is you know pre-exile. Like mm-hmm. it's just really at a place where it wants nothing to do with God. Mm-hmm. And it's really going to take a lot of pain mm-hmm. before it reopens its heart, mm-hmm. right? And maybe a generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the church will find itself in that. I think, though, the danger is to prematurely assume you're in that. Right. And to and not to be say, vigilant. Like, right. Yeah. And to say, oh, we're we're just in this culture. This yeah. one here. Well, mm-hmm. the question is still, okay, but like Jeremiah, are you faithfully day in and day mm-hmm. out sharing? Right. Are you still speaking? Because he prophesied to those people. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, this is what's going on. And he was both negative and positive. Mm-hmm. Right. Jeremiah 29 is like almost everybody's favorite passage in the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> he, and, he, and, he, and it's a long book. And he hung in there and he was faithful. Mm-hmm. And so if you, be, but, but the thing is, is that pessimism in sharing the gospel can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm. Yeah. And this, the prophecy that it usually fulfills is you don't do that final step of making an mm-hmm. invitation. Mm-hmm. If you believe you're in a Jeremiah culture and you're a Jeremiah and nobody's going to come to faith, everybody's self-condemned. You're just being faithful with confirming their condemnation mm-hmm. by sharing God's love and care mm-hmm. and truth. Then you won't really go. Would you like to believe? Because mm-hmm. you just don't really believe anybody's going to be saved. Mm-hmm. You have to believe that the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit could save anybody at any time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've got you to offer it. So in that sense, Aaron, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. We would do the same thing if we believed God no matter what. Right. Because what Jeremiah does and what Jesus says we have to do is we have to go out into the fields and, tra- and take in the harvest. Mm-hmm. And taking in the harvest means sharing the gospel. Mm-hmm. But I also think that if we were to sit down as a church and say, okay, so there's, High Point has an attendance of like 600 people, adults on a Sunday morning. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people come to church once or twice a month. So let's say that's 850 people, Mm -hmm. adults total that believe in Jesus and everything, right? Mm -hmm. Is it really reasonable to think that 850 people are going out into the, the world, all their circles of influence, faithfully sharing the gospel in the Madison culture? Mm -hmm. And producing zero people coming to Jesus, right? As a pastor, being primed by John chapter 4 and what Jesus says there, mm-hmm. I just find it completely unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, does that mean every individual is going to lead somebody to Christ this year? No, that's not what I think. Right. But, Nor does it mean that no one is sharing their faith. No, no, their right. Circles. It doesn't mean nobody's sharing their faith. What it probably does mean, though, is, is that a lot of people aren't sharing their faith. Mm-hmm. A lot of people just don't know how to share their faith. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know how to build the, a relationship that will help encourage somebody to a place where they can come to faith. 
Um, a lot of people just are too busy mm-hmm. to really in- stop, mm-hmm. you know, and do stuff. Like I've got four or five new neighbors. Mm-hmm. And yeah. to stop our lives, to invite them over for dinner so that we can even have a relationship. It's just like, it's cataclysmic, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, but we had some of our new neighbors over that are just really, they're just irreligious folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and they came over and they brought their like vodka and like <laughs> um and some food and some desserts and we just we had a really great time with them and like four times the guy said man i didn't know we were gonna like you this much right and they came yeah. they both came over separately the day after we had such a great time Aww. with you guys yeah. and it was fun to be with them but at the same time look that's just part of them because they know i'm a pastor mm-hmm. they already know that right and like any christian they're terrified to become a christian because they don't want to become a bigot and a close-minded yeah. idiot because mm-hmm. that's what they think that means mm-hmm. and so they've got to have this experience where they go you know what if we were like the gibsons that would be bad right we'd still be us we'd still mm-hmm. believe but we'd just be we'd be different in certain ways right mm-hmm. and then they can be open to the gospel sure yeah so i think that so I think as a church what you and I have to say as leaders is mm-hmm. we have to say how can we help people mm-hmm. be more effective because mm-hmm. personal effectiveness is a thing yeah yeah right um, but at the same time, we want people. To, we want to be able to say to people, "Listen, you might be sharing the gospel really beautifully, and nobody's coming to faith. And you're in good company with Jeremiah. And mm-hmm. you know, Jesus didn't have a whole lot of converts, right? But there were a lot that came after him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think every we want everybody to walk away with two ideas in relationship to evangelism. Mm-hmm. The first is, you can faithfully share the gospel mm-hmm. and see zero fruit. And the the, the test as to whether or not you're being faithful is not how many people accept the gospel, but whether or not you're being faithful to share the whole gospel, mm-hmm. which includes inviting people to come to God. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So if you want to test of whether or not you're evangelistically faithful, it's not how many converts. It's are you sharing the gospel mm-hmm. and are you alerting the people you share the gospel to that there's a decision to be mm-hmm. made. Some sort of choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then secondly, Jesus did say, that the fields are white for harvest mm-hmm. and that the the lack is people going into the harvest fields and doing the work of evangelism. Mm-hmm. And that has to be our starting point mm-hmm. because as we say in our secondary core value, right? Secondary core values, it's a, it's a fire that has to be fueled. Mm-hmm. You have, otherwise you just stop doing it. Yeah. And so if, if you believe first that the fields are white for harvest and that our hearts are moving away from being embarrassed by people, mm-hmm. right? People telling us, you can't do this. You don't have the authority to do this. Mm-hmm. You're stupid. We don't even want to be like you because mm-hmm. you're just a bigot anyway, probably because you're a Christian and so on. You have to overcome that. Nobody likes to be humiliated and right. nobody likes to be shut up mm-hmm. and nobody likes to be rejected. Mm-hmm. And evangelism is basically an experience in constant rejection, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so nobody likes that, but it's enormously character developing, mm-hmm. right? If you can stand in there and speak truthfully and lovingly, not belligerently, mm-hmm. and yet faithfully, that actually forms your character in a lot of other ways. Mm-hmm. It builds your practical confidence in Christ, and it will help you obey Jesus in lots of other ways too. Mm-hmm. And so what God will do in you, if you just faithfully share the gospel, is more than just make the gospel known. Right. Yeah. And so um, we all have to start with, with those two things. Mm-hmm. I can be faithful and see nothing happen, mm-hmm. but I'm going to share the gospel all the way through. And two, Jesus said that fields are way for harvest. He's going to be with us. He wants people to come to him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want any parish, but wants all to come to eternal life, mm-hmm. right? He, he loved so, the whole world that he gave his only, you know, God gave his only son that mm-hmm. 
none should perish, but that all would have eternal life. Yeah. Jesus came to the world not to condemn the world, but so through him the world might be saved, mm-hmm. right? The world is not the planet. Mm-hmm. World, in John's writings, is the whole earthly, worldly status that stands opposed to God, right? right? Jesus came and died for his enemies, the people that want nothing to do with Jesus. Mm-hmm. He died for them and will save many of them. Mm-hmm. And so bearing that conviction of God's election, God's sacrifice, God's um, God's calling, his powerful calling of human souls, um, and his recognition of that we're going after depraved people. He knows that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his willingness to be favorable to and save those who we wouldn't like at all because mm-hmm. of what they've done. Knowing that can give us the idea that, you know, the field is way for harvest. And so mm-hmm. as a church, when we look at our church, and you look at 850 adults, as a leader, if I don't see, I don't know, 15 to 50 people getting baptized a couple times a year, I just feel like we're probably not going out into the harvest mm-hmm. field or we don't know how to cut the grain, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> or something's wrong. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I need to humiliate the church. Right. But we need to be like, hey, do I need to stoke your fire? Right. Do I need to help you be more effective and give you some kind of ministry skills? Mm-hmm. What do we need to do? Because Jesus said the fields are ready for harvest. Mm-hmm. Let's cut some grain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, if you're listening and you, if we were to ask you that question, what is it that you think that you personally need in order to either evangelize well or to want to at all. Um, you know, having this podcast and talking about it, um, offering the growth class, empowered evangelicals like we've had, mm-hmm. um, these are the things that we want to try to fuel um, you and so that you can understand um, what it does take to move forward in, in, evangel- in evangelizing and um, having an evangelistic posture. Yeah. So let me leave this. Let's leave with like three applications, mm-hmm. right? One is... Um, if you really just don't think you can talk about Jesus yet, start engaging in what's called pre-evangelism. Mm-hmm. Just don't fulfill their stereotypes about Christians. Mm-hmm. Just do whatever you can not to fulfill their... If you've got like, a tattoo <laughs> on your forehead. I mean, not really, but... You know what I mean? Like, there are a lot of things I will do just intentionally mm-hmm. not to fulfill people's bigoted stereotypes about Christians. Mm-hmm. But intentionally. You can intentionally live in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is, um, if you're not sharing the gospel with people... Um, try to find a relatively benign way to just talk about some part of the gospel mm-hmm. um, or just or say, where would it be natural for me to bring up something about the gospel or my or and some for some people it's talking about church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was talking with Femi um, Sequoia, Sequoia mm-hmm. I, I always get his name mm-hmm. um, And he was saying at church, one of the re- ways people hear about the gospel through him is they'll talk about going out drinking mm-hmm. and then he'll talk about what he did at church that weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they can't be like, well, you can't say what you did this weekend, right? <laughs> but he'll say, I went to church and we did these things. Yeah. And here's one of the things we talked about, mm-hmm. right? And he doesn't up a lot on them, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And because what he wants to do is he wants to advertise, look, if you want to talk about these things, I want to, I'll right. talk with you about Open. them. Because mm-hmm. part of it is just creating, because people, part of what, what Satan has done is he's, he's created a culture in which everybody's in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And you can't talk to anybody, yeah. right? And so creating a space in which um, people know they can come to you, what they say will be held in confidence, and you're not going to take offense at anything they say. Mm-hmm. Is it necessary? So you can do. So you can say, is there a way I can share a little bit of the gospel if I'm not sharing the whole gospel? Is there a way that I can talk about the gospel? If I've only shared bits, can I get to like a... Do, do I need to explain it more clearly in a shorter period of time? So maybe practice your 30-second... Here's how you share the gospel. Imagine a situation. Literally imagine the people standing there, 
a place in your office, mm-hmm. you know, an exact situation, and then share the gospel in 20 seconds mm-hmm. or 30 seconds or two minutes. Mm-hmm. And just practice what you're going to say. Because most people aren't good speakers, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, if you've shared the gospel with somebody, have you actually invited them to a decision or alerted them mm-hmm. to the decision? Have you done that last step? Yeah. Because if you haven't, how do you know? Yeah. Don't don't disbelieve for them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so that would be do pre-evangelism if you're nowhere, mm-hmm. right? Um, try to take one more step forward wherever you are. If you haven't gotten to the point of invitation, come to some kind of invitation. And it doesn't, when people hear invitation, they think that means, do you want to accept Jesus right now? Mm-hmm. But it can mean anything where you are alerting someone and inviting someone into the fact that there's a decision to be made, mm-hmm. right? Billy Graham's magazine was called Decision Magazine, right? <laughs> and then, um, and, and then lastly, there are, sometimes there's ways you can team up with people. If you can't lead somebody to faith, can you invite them to an environment? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for some, some, I know people that if I would say have led people to faith, they didn't actually share the gospel with them, but they were bold enough to invite them to an environment mm-hmm. in which they heard the gospel. Yeah. I can think of one lady whose kids are grown and she's been coming to High Point Church. She accepted Jesus and she just tried to live like a good wife. And then she just asked her husband to come to some things. Mm-hmm. And he's been coming off and on and he's coming a little bit more. And last time I was at their house, he said, well, let's pray mm-hmm. at the beginning of the meal. And he prayed. Mm-hmm. And I still don't know where he's, where he's at. Right. But I know he's not where he was. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we I, I'm trying to get better and better about making sure I'm preaching the gospel in every sermon, mm. every Sunday. Yep. Because we want every week to be a place where a mature Christian can come and hear mm-hmm. something helpful. Mm-hmm. But that also everybody comes, hears the dynamic of the gospel, and is invited to believe it. Mm-hmm. So that if you struggle with evangelism, um, you can invite, you always have at least one environment that you know you can invite people to. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Nick. Um, yeah, so if you have questions about um, this podcast or other podcasts going forward, um, you can always email me at ehesse, E-H-E-S-S-E, at highpointchurch.org, and just um, in the subject line, put Engage and Equip Podcast, and we'd love to hear your feedback or um, other questions that you would maybe want to have discussed or clarifying questions from podcasts that we've done in the past. Um, so again, thanks for listening, and have a great day. Bye, everybody.